2: If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san Diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
2: Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene, was
0: we'll good.
3: But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano.
2: Huh? Oh! Run!
3: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hello, and welcome to Saver Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese, and I'm Lauren Vogelbaum, and
0: today we have an episode for you about Rendang. Yes. Yes. Uh, Any reason this was on your mind, Lauren? Uh, It has been on our list for a very long time. um, And I was kind of looking at the list and I was going, I want to eat that right now. So why don't I make the craving worse by reading about it for three days straight?
1: (laughs) Yep. Yep. As is the way of things. Uh, (laughs) I, that one, that list, I need to update it there's a lot of things that the list is very long listeners um oh yeah i have been slacking and i do keep all of the ideas but we need to we need to wrangle the list yeah (laughs) yeah
0: it's i mean right there's like hundreds of entries in this spreadsheet and um there's it definitely has some duplicates in there. There's some, mm-hmm. it's, It. we have not, we have not been
1: good list curators. No, and I'm good at list. Um, <laughs> so this is a real failing on my, my no. part. Um, <laughs> I will say, I don't remember, I don't remember seeing this on list. What is probably more likely is I saw it and I didn't know what it was. So I just... Your brain sort of skipped over it. Yeah. Right. But when I was doing this research, I immediately was like, no, I'm getting this. <laughs> and I, we kind of had to delay this recording. And I was like, great, I'll get some before we record. And I did. Yeah. And it was delicious. Oh, it yeah. Was so good. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> oh. I ate off it for three days, even though it was, like, not that big, but it's quite filling. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was very, very good. I was going to get the chicken version, but everything I said was, like, the beef version is the one you should get. So that's what it did. <sighs> yeah. And it was amazing. Okay. Did you uh, – can I Can I ask what, what
0: Atlanta restaurant you found this at? Do you remember the name? I – Don't.
1: Uh, But I remember vaguely the name. Um, Okay. It was like, I think it was Top Spice. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they, honestly, I found four places that had it. And a take of this what you will. But uh, Top Spice had a lunch option. Mm -hmm. And it was way cheaper than everything (laughs) else. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was still not cheap, I will say, but it had a lunch option that was cheaper and yeah. I wasn't looking to like get a whole meal to share with people. <laughs> I was sure. just wanting to You just try. wanted your unit of rendang. Yes. Yeah. And it fed me for 3 days. Right?
0: Yeah. Um yeah, yeah, so so okay, so they're going to they're like a Thai Malaysian restaurant, so so I wonder, I wonder um if you had yeah. a more Indonesian uh slanted Ooh. version. If like, like I, I want to, I want, I, I need to compare notes across multiple Rendang yes. experiences
1: now. Okay. I'm into it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I struggle to describe taste, but I was keeping it in mind when I was eating it. I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh... But you've had it.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There are a number of Malaysian and or Indonesian restaurants around Atlanta that I uh, really love and uh, that I don't get out to that often anymore, partially because I used to live on the corner of Buford Highway. And that is, Mm. if you are familiar with Atlanta, that is where many of our um, Asian subculture restaurants opened up.
1: So, yes. Yes. Well, it was delicious. Uh, And I told Lauren, it's always nice when we get a topic where I'm like immediately, okay, for research, (laughs) I must try this dish. (laughs) Right, right. Purely for research. Purely, purely, purely. Um, Well, I guess that brings us to our question. I guess it does. Rindong, What is it?
0: Well, uh, rendang is a category of dishes, uh, or a method of cooking, in which a main ingredient is cooked low and slow with coconut milk and pungent herbs and spices until the liquid has been reduced and or absorbed entirely, giving you a richly stewed main ingredient in this like thick, flavorful, reddish-brown to brownish-black kind of paste of a sauce— Uh, The main ingredient is traditionally beef, but can be anything that stands up to this kind of low and slow cooking. Uh, Chicken, oysters, different kinds of fish, uh, vegetarian options like jackfruit or various greens, all of those are popular. Um, It's usually served with rice and some vegetable side dishes. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's rich and warming and like satiny. Um, usually with a little bit of like saucy grit from the cooked down coconut gravy sort of stuff with um, sweet, tart, spicy notes from ingredients like ginger and lemongrass and chili peppers and like all kinds of nutty, buttery, roasty, toasty flavors from the cooking process. Uh, it's like... um. It's like starting with just a really nice coconut curry and then evolving it like a Pokemon into something that's related, but also very different. Um, mm. It's like, it's like reducing an entire delicious stew into just a single hunk of stuff.
1: Mm. Yes.
0: Yeah. Because oh, that's, so
1: good. that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> That's lip, it's also literally Andrew. <laughs> Gonna love that Pokemon <laughs> reference. So... <laughs>
0: Uh, we are morally <laughs> obligated to catch all of them. It is true. Um, yes. um, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So uh, so those spices are going to be doing uh, a lot a lot of the work in, in eventually flavoring this. Um, and the herbs and spices used can vary. But um, some common ones include, yes, chili peppers, um, sambal, which is a chili sauce, ginger, galangal, or galangal, gal- 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 galangal, galangal. Still don't know how other humans say it. Right in. Um, uh, Lemongrass, alliums like shallots, garlic, and or onions, bay leaves, lime leaves, turmeric, uh, and or turmeric leaves, nutmeg, coriander, cumin, palm sugar, grated coconut meat, toasted coconut. Uh, I've also seen cinnamon, cloves, star anise, cardamom, tamarind, sour mangosteen, other sour fruits. Um, Yeah. And again, the the, the term rendang can refer to both the finished dish and the cooking method used to get there. Um, What you're you're looking to do is take the sauce that you're cooking that main ingredient in through three distinct stages. Um, The first is called gulai, and this is the the thin kind of soupy mixture that you're just getting started with. You cook that down into what's called a kalio, which is a thicker sauce akin to to a nice curry. But right, what makes this dish special is that you then continue cooking it until the coconut milk actually breaks, and the fats in it separate out from the solids. So it's like it's like making browned butter, um, but with coconut milk instead of, you know, butter. Uh, so, so you're sautéing all of the good stuff in your sauce, the herbs and spices and all of those flavorful coconut solids in that coconut oil. And... All of that is is infusing into the main ingredient and mixing with any juices that the main ingredient is giving off as it cooks. You have to stir it constantly at this stage, from what I understand. Uh, You're employing both caramelization and the Maillard reaction. And yeah, you wind up with just like a deeply browned... uh, uh, thick paste type sauce and a very tender main ingredient, uh, fall apart meat, just absolutely silky veg. Uh, this is usually served either family style or individually plated with a rice, various side dishes and condiments like sambal. And because the whole process takes a few hours and like a lot of vigilance, it is traditionally a celebration dish. There are Mm. all kinds of variations um, from what herbs and spices you use to exactly how dark the sauce is to how much you let the main ingredient dry out in the pan. Um, Some people prefer like an almost crisped on the outside beef, rendang. Um, Some people Mm. like it a little bit stewier. Stewier, yeah. Um, It is a dish that has been localized in a lot of places around the Malay archipelago, where it's from. Uh, You know, like, like localized from city to neighborhood to household level, like people have preferences. Uh, It it is one of those lovely family dishes that, you know, whatever you grew up with is probably the high that you are still chasing.
1: Yeah, I read that. I read a quote that was like, the one you think is the right one is the one your mom made.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There are also a lot of riffs on the dish, uh, both, both locally and out in the wider world. Like you want some rendang lasagna, uh, rendang sliders, rendang tacos? I do. Sure. Why not? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> wow. Well. What about the nutrition? Oh, that depends. I cannot tell you that. Um, It depends on what goes into it. Uh, But I will say that it's a popular enough dish that there are actually kind of a lot of nutritional science studies that have been done recently into like how different preparations affect both palatability and uh, bioavailable nutrients. So uh, more research is being done. Uh -uh,
1: You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because we definitely... Played a role in that, so <laughs> oh. send your things <laughs> our way, right? <Okay>, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, we have a couple numbers for you, a couple, yeah. Yes, uh, a CNN poll out of 2017 that received about 35,000 votes named Rindong number one. On a list of the world's 50 most popular foods. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. This was a Facebook poll. So, you know, like maybe not the most scientific, but still impressive. (laughs) Impressive. Yeah. Uh Um, Indonesia's Record Museum has recognized the largest dish of rendang as having been created in 2016. Uh, A group of chefs cooked down over 600 kilos of beef. That's about 1,300 pounds uh, for over 24 (laughs) hours. They uh, they also have a record for the largest Rendang cooking demo, which had a thousand participants and took place in 2018. I also do understand that there's a Rendang festival in Parang in Indonesia every year, but I couldn't find out that much about it. Um, I think it's a cooking competition. I think there are hundreds of participants every year. Y'all Y'all are going to have to write in.
1: You're going to have to. Yeah.
0: This is important.
1: Mm. It is. (laughs) Very much it is. (laughs) Along with any recipes, images. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Personal stories about it. Yeah. Oh, indeed. But in the meantime, there is quite the history to get over. Oh,
0: there is. And we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors.
3: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Yes, thank you. Okay, so the written record around Rendong is pretty sparse until fairly recently, when a lot of people have been writing a lot of very fascinating, detailed stuff. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But there is a lot going on here, so bear with us. Um. This is Kind of a twisty, turny outline, also, yeah, that. yeah. Um, but experts believe this dish originated in West Sumatra, Indonesia, by the Minangkabau people, a culmination of influences ranging from India, Islam, and Portuguese, other things too. But those were the three big ones. Um, mm-hmm. there are some really great resources that dug into this, um, and we're gonna break it down a bit here, but just know that there's like there's a really layered history. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And some things I read subscribe strictly to one theory. Uh, some, a mixture of all three. Some, a mixture of two. Like a, a mix yeah. and match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um,
0: and, and, right, the, the the reason that there aren't a lot of written records until relatively recently is partially that uh, the Monong people were mostly using oral history, Yes. Um, as their record keeping for a very long time. So,
1: yes. And then just general historical terminology, etymology confusion. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, but okay, let's break down those three things briefly. Because again, if you want to learn more, you actually can. And it's very interesting <laughs> and very exciting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's not yeah. always the case for these. <laughs> um, but all right, let's start with India. One popular theory ties the history of Rendang closely to Indian curries. Um, As early as the 2nd century CE, traders from India were journeying to the Indonesian islands in hopes of finding minerals like tin and gold. Uh, Due to their strategic location between China and India, these islands became a popular hub between the spice trade uh, of these two countries. And this is when a lot of spices involved in Rendang were probably introduced to West Sumatra, like ginger, turmeric, uh, chili. Uh, these roots led to a blend of influences in the region, uh, Arab, Chinese, Indian, and European. The thinking goes that the Manong people adapted curries from India to their taste. Uh, ingredients and cuisines with all of these other influences mixed in. One of the first known believed references to Rendang traces back to the 8th century CE out of West Sumatra, uh, though some speculate it was present, yes, in oral history, as far back as the 4th century CE. And outsiders observe similarities to Indian cuisine in this dish by at least the 18th century, so. There's that. As for the potential influence of Islam, uh, in this dish, a couple of sources linked the Islamic missionary movement in the area during the 16th and 17th centuries and the push for halal meats to the origins and evolutions of Rendang. Um, this is part of a long history of meat cooking and consumption in that region.
0: Yeah. Um, it's a little bit complicated, but like researchers think that before the spread of Islam in the region, consumption of uh, the traditional water buffalo or chicken would have been even more of a special occasion. Um, like prior to that influence, uh, those animals would have been used for for farm work and egg production rather than for eating.
1: Yes. Yes. And actually, it's a fascinating history of just consumption of meat. Uh, it got me thinking when I was reading about it. I was like, huh.
0: Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um one of the first written instances of the word rendang to refer to this dish comes from a 16th century Islam influenced Malay manuscript.
0: Yeah, the the manuscript in question was this Malay adaptation of a Persian classical literary text. So, it's again showing that like although maybe No one local had been writing about it before then. This this process and this dish were already well known at this time. And that was all the way over in Malacca, uh, like across the whole island of Sumatra in the Malacca Strait from the Menang Cabal region. Though notably, uh, Malacca would have been like a center of business for traveling Menang traders who did use river routes to cross Sumatra and reach the
1: sea for centuries before roads were built there. But That brings us to the Portuguese element. Yes. Uh, The Portuguese controlled Malacca from 1511 to 1641, which many believe also impacted this dish. Um, The Portuguese influence in the area includes words adopted in the Malay language in the realm of cooking, There's actually also a very detailed account of this that you can look into. Oh, yeah. And people arguing about whether or not that actually means what we think it means, Uh (laughs) which I I do love. Um, But yes, um, one of the biggest things that the Portuguese may have lended to this dish was uh, their techniques and preferences in preserving meat by cooking it for a long time. A technique adapted by people in the region. Uh, They also probably introduced chili peppers. I actually couldn't nail that down completely, and I was sort of surprised by it, but uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But okay, so those are some of the theories, influences going on. Um, At first, the meat in this dish was primarily water buffalo, which was an important animal in the ming culture. Water buffalo is a tougher type of meat than something like beef, so to soften it and make it tastier, the meat would be braised in coconut milk, seasoned with spices, and then cooked low and slow for several hours. Uh, Higher temperatures would toughen the meat and curdle the milk, so you don't want that. Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> coconut trees lined the streets in West Sumatra, and as uh, the region became more and more involved in the spice trade, indigenous folks would plant spices outside of their home. So it stands to reason that those ingredients were relatively easy to come by. Um, once the meat was done, basically, yes, a sort of dry curry. It was often wrapped in plantain or banana leaves for transport. And the dish is said to be representative of the Ming-Nan philosophy of patience in the cooking, wisdom, setting the fire and choosing the ingredients, and persistence or sincerity with the stirring.
0: Hmm. Uh,
1: Because it was time-consuming to make, it was usually reserved for special occasions. On top of that, at the time, yeah, meat consumption was not very high amongst the ming people, so it was by no means a daily thing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, And the fact that it could last on long journeys made it a popular travel food. So it spread throughout the region as people migrated and as with many dishes that we talk about, that meant regional variants popped up based on ingredients and tastes. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Another reason for the spread of this dish has to do with a unique practice of the Minangkabau people called merintal, or voluntary migration, And this tradition of wandering is thought to be in part due to their matrilineal culture, where men were considered guests in their wives' homes. Therefore, ancestral land was passed down to women, not men. And because of this, many men, and some women, uh, would travel with the hopes of getting more experience and economic opportunities. They travel via water on foot to nearby places like Singapore or Malaysia, uh, and they brought the food of their homes with them, including the easily transportable rendang. I also found a source, I was having trouble wrapping my head around this, but said that they would write home and ask for it to be sent to them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I couldn't quite suss out what that, I was like, but how would
1: you ship it if you're not? Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was very curious about it, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, a professor of history at the University of Andalas in Sumatra named Gusti Anan has written a lot about all of this. He was a great source. Um, and Anan is a big proponent that Indian curry had a big influence on rendang too, and points out that one word the Minang people use for one of the states of cooking uh, of this dish resembles curry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Because of established trade routes in the region with India, this dish made it over to that country. And once the British established a presence there, it made its way to the UK. The dish also spread further west to the
0: Arabian Peninsula, with uh, West Sumatran Muslims making pilgrimages to Mecca.
1: Written accounts of Rendang and its variations started popping up in 19th century European newspapers and travel journals, According to one of these accounts, the paste used to season chicken rendang included spices like pounded chili, turmeric, white cumin seed, and coriander seed, fried with sliced onion and a little bit of water. Sounds really good to me. Um, Uh Chicken was then added, followed by coconut milk and cooking for a long time. Get the dish. Another version included garlic or ginger and or ginger, I would say. Others, a sour juice of some sort. Others, fish. So already there were all these variations.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, The dish really began spreading, though, in the 1900s as more Menang immigrants began leaving home and uh, opening food stalls throughout what was at that time uh, the Dutch East Indies. Recipes for rendang appeared in uh, Menang women's periodicals in the 19-teens, and cookbook authors working in other local languages and in Dutch started publishing recipes, too.
1: Yes. Uh, But during World War II, meat shortages slowed down the production of rendang in West Sumatra. Though, interestingly, a a Dutch
0: military food service cookbook from 1940 listed a recipe for padang-style rendang uh, made with beef. Huh.
1: Yeah. Well, jumping way ahead to our social media controversy of the episode. (laughs) um, Oh, God. Well, A MasterChef UK judge sparked outrage in 2018 when he commented that the Malaysian contestants, rendang was not crispy enough. And yes, it is not crispy at all. Um, No. 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 (laughs) No. Nope. At the same time, the comment did cause some establishment in Indonesia, Singapore, and Malaysia to create… A crispy version.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, folks from all of those three nations, and also a uh, Bruni, all piled on. It was, yeah,
1: yep. Oh, it yeah. Um, here's a quote from the BBC. The trendy lightbox sign at Singapore's Indie Cinema, The Projector, read, Justice for Chicken Rindong in <laughs> April this year, echoing the hashtags that were blowing up on social media at the time. Hashtag Crispy rendang and hashtag uniting Malaysians and Indonesians who were utterly outraged at a diplomatic controversy. Whew! Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't end there. Another chef on the show made it worse by posting to social media, maybe Rendang is Indonesian. Uh, And what many saw as an attempt to get Indonesians and Malaysians to fight each other, basically inflamed the situation. Yeah. Um, Because there have been tensions between these places, but they for sure came together over this. (laughs) Oh, yes. As
0: it turns out. (laughs) As it turns. Home, home style meals are the thing that can really pull people together yeah. he also ended that tweet with namaste like oh my heck like what a what an interesting Ooh. human person
1: yeah. yeah 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 like a lot of people got in on this um mm-hmm. one actress with Minong ancestry argued she kind of jokingly did this or at least that was her vibe um she was like, it's not from Indonesia or Malaysia, but West Sumatra and the Menang people. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. She was like, I'm sorry, it's from neither. Uh, it's yeah. more local than that. Thank you. Thank
1: yes. you. It was a whole thing. <laughs>
0: uh, um, okay. Uh, that In 2019, uh, the local government in West Sumatra announced that it was going to propose Rendang for inclusion in UNESCO's World Heritage List. Um, I think they succeeded in 2021. UNESCO's website was like kind of down today, so I couldn't I couldn't double check that. But yes, I think that it is registered there, um, and I think it's registered as having come together from the cultural heritage of Padang. Hmm. Then in 2020, at the Dubai 2020 Expo, Indonesia's government announced their Indonesia Spice up the world. Initiative, which is promoting local cuisine and economic opportunities on the global stage. And Rendang is one of the five specialties being highlighted. Uh, just for example, this initiative managed to uh, set up the, uh, the first European Rendang factory in Bulgaria this year, 2023. Um, it was a $3 million investment meant to eventually produce some 30 metric tons of Rendang a month for distribution throughout Europe and
1: the Middle East. Whew. Well, um, as the dish has spread around the world and grown in popularity, there have been all kinds of additions and preparations, some of which you mentioned, Lauren, that many would argue are not rendang. <laughs> I raised my hands.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, right. It's one of those, we're backing away slowly. We would never, we would never no. tell you. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> we would not want to we would not if we could uh, no. yeah mm-hmm. there there was a really cute quote in um in one of the articles about crispy rendang gate um yes. on on bbc.com uh, it, the, the quote was from this proprietor of an indonesian restaurant in singapore he was all like some people come and they ask for curry sauce with it i tell them if you want curry sauce you can go to mcdonald's <laughs> <laughs>
1: There's something you got to respect about that. Like, no.
0: Yeah, like no, that's not how it's served.
1: Sorry. Get that (laughs) elsewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that was in the same article that was like, you're never going to top your, what you had growing up, essentially. Yeah. That's the one. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Well, it was delicious. I'm glad I had the opportunity to try it. Um, But I, there's so much more, obviously that I could try. Yeah. In this space. So, <sighs> yep. Again, yep, listeners, yep. <laughs> thoughts, recipes, <laughs> recommendations. Ideas. Oh, yeah. yes. Please let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's what we have to say about Rindong for
0: now. It is. Uh, we do have some listener mail prepared already for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors.
3: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, we'll boot it!
3: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the
2: books, Gene, and the last the business. I understand now, it is a wise man Marie's
3: marries a wiser woman. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And we're back. Thank you, sponsors. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Listener, listener
0: Mail.
2: mail. Mm-hmm.
1: It was so warming. That's what I really thought about it. Yeah, like a big old hug Hug a meat. Yeah. Yeah, because it was like, it wasn't that it was spicy, but it was warming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was so good. I immediately sent Lauren a message and was like, oh no, yes. this is delicious. <laughs> it was like Friday or Saturday night, I get this random message from Annie. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> oh, so good. Was so, I was so happy. Oh. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Uh, yes. Mm, um, all right. Carolina wrote, I was excited to hear your dragon fruit episode. I love this crazy fruit. Yeah. I get cravings for it sometimes. When I was living in Utah, it wasn't easy to find, and I could only find the white flesh variety. I'm currently living in Taiwan, where every fruit market has it year-round, and red dragon fruit, which has a stronger flavor, is far more common. The magenta color of the juice doesn't get altered by going through digestion, so eating red dragon fruit can result in an uncommonly startling trip to the bathroom if you don't have a good memory for what you've recently consumed. Oh, that is good to know. Yeah, <laughs> good to know.
0: I do. I've had that experience. Beets any number of times. Uh, um,
1: so, uh, so, but still, right. Important safety tip. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I I had a friend who had it. She loved watermelon so much. I don't think watermelon is common to do that, but she loved it so much. Oh, huh? Um, It would. But I did see, I didn't buy one, but I did see some dragon fruit at the store when I was there yesterday. And I thought about it. I think I'm going to wait for whenever we have our dinner or a special occasion or something. Okay.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, Sure. Sure. But I am excited. It does look cool. It does. <laughs> they're real. They're real pretty. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Bart wrote, uh, Bart from Ireland back with another Christmas related comment. I always seem to email around the holidays for some reason. Lots of good food memories associated with the season, I guess. Uh, listening to your show this week on Chinese five spice, uh, two things struck me. Firstly, I'm so used to it being ubiquitous that I was shocked to hear it's a recent arrival to our Western pantries. Uh, secondly, you asked about recipes and what immediately struck me is that it's one of those rare ingredients I use in dessert and dinner. I prefer to do this with tender stem broccoli, uh, but it works with any green veg, really. Uh, toss it in some sesame oil, a little soy sauce, a sprinkling of dark brown sugar, and a dash of Chinese five-spice. Roast for 15 to 20 minutes, and you have a fantastic side for any Asian dish. Being here in Ireland, one of the Christmas treats I love is the dried fruit mix that briefly appears on our shelves each year. It's intended for use in traditional Christmas cakes, but I use it in fruit-based desserts instead. As well as your usual mix of currants and raisins of all sizes and colors, it includes dried cherries and some wonderfully exotic additions like dates and preserved citrus peels. Uh, One of my favorite uses for this mix is stuffed baked apples. Start by hollowing out a tart firm apple, like a Granny Smith, uh, by going halfway down with a corer and then scooping out the bits with a melon baller. Uh, Then score a line around the equator so it can expand as it bakes. Next, stuff it with a mix of chopped dried fruit, maple syrup, dark soft brown sugar, and slices of your choice. Optionally, add a dash of vanilla and or almond extract. Then bake it low for about 40 minutes and top with cream or Greek yogurt. This works with any dried fruit and any warming spices. So for Halloween, I love to use dried cranberries and pumpkin spice. But at Christmas, the very best variant is Christmas cake fruit mix with Chinese five spice. By pure chance, I'm opening this year's bag of Christmas cake fruit mix to make this very recipe with Sunday dinner tonight. Thanks for many years of thoughtful, informative, and above all, fun listening pleasure. You folks rock. Have a wonderful holiday season and a healthy, tasty, and prosperous
1: 2024. Oh, thanks. Aww. You too. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, thank you. Yes. Oh, heck. Um, that sounds
1: really good. It does sound really
0: good. I, I feel like I feel like that specific like Christmas cake dried fruit mix is something yeah. that I am aware of existing. Um, but I don't feel like we really get it in America. I don't think that it shows up. I, I think it's kind of like a specialty item you kind of have to track down.
1: Yeah. I think so. And I feel like we talked about that in our the fruit cake episode, the much yeah. aligned fruit cake. Here <laughs> Um, which is experiencing a little bit of a comeback, but, um, yeah, it's true. Like this, this sounds so good to me, but it's not like anything I have tried personally. Um,
0: yeah. I mean, you could, you could make, I mean, with a decent, uh, you know, bulk good section, you could make your own dry fruit mix and that's true. You know, this is true. Um, It can be done. (laughs) You would have a lot of it at that juncture, probably. But um.
1: Yes. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of when we did our episode on cranberries. Mm -hmm. And I got it in my head that I'm going to make my own homemade cranberry sauce. Turns out your own homemade cranberry sauce makes a ton. (laughs) But it was delicious, and I loved doing it. But I stopped doing Mm -hmm. it because it just made so much. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it depends I, on how much you want to consume. And like, I mean, even like a single bag of cranberries kind of makes a lot of sauce. I mean, it again, it depends on how much you want to consume. So like, yeah,
1: yeah, true. But I feel like if I made this, it would be me eating it and like trying <laughs> huh. to get other people to get on board and mm-hmm. they probably would but they wouldn't eat that much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with my cranberry sauce which i think was delicious everybody was like i'll try a tiny bit oh 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 <laughs> Aww. Aww. yeah <laughs> jeez. but this sounds really good to me um yeah and that that veg
0: recipe sounds terrific as well oh my um, gosh it does I feel like I don't, I don't, I feel like I shy away from, from Five Spice in the kitchen. Um, but, mm. but maybe, maybe I should. It, it's, I, I think that really like the idea of just having a light hand with it is what Yeah. I need, I needed to hear.
1: So, yeah. Yes. Yes. And like I said, I did purchase some, so I am oh, looking for recipes. Yeah. Okay. Um, but also, you know, I feel like we have enough recipes now. We can make a savory cookbook. We never would because the work and time and crediting all of you but we could do it we could um. do it
0: we could do it um i mean you know yeah yeah i mean we, we could we could also i mean man ben bolin has been threatening to get us a cookbook deal
1: um oh. <laughs> well i love it i just love because i know some of you have written in like i made this person's recipe and oh it's so cool huh. that's just it's just cool to hear it really is. Um. People's recipes and then hearing other people make them. So, thank you for taking the time. Yes. Always. Yes. 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 Um, Thanks to both of these listeners for writing in.